0: This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra. Gene Roddenberry did America a great service. He did the world a great service when he created Star Trek because he showed us what a better world could look like. A world where humans did not exploit other humans, where science was used to advance humanity, And where there was no sickness, no evil, no crime to speak of, they actually had to look around in other planets just to find problems to solve. So Gene Roddenberry showed us a great destination. However, he forgot to give us the GPS. We don't know how to get there. And nobody has ever written about that, as far as I know, except possibly for me. I'm not saying that my science fiction books are good science fiction books. I'm just saying that they answer a need. I'm on the fourth one now. And all of my science fiction books try to take on the question of how do you get to that better world that Gene Roddenberry showed us in the Star Trek television series. One thing I would caution everybody Before they try to make a better world, they're going to have to do something about the armed services. Because you look through history and you find all kinds of people who set out to make a better world. There was a guy named Jean Aristide, who was the uh, very popular president of Haiti. Things went so badly for him that he had to flee the country. Salvador Allende in 1973 tried to make a better world, but he didn't have charge of the repressive forces, didn't have charge of the armed forces, the police and the police and the Navy and the Army and everybody that has the ability to kill everybody else. And Salvador Allende, as you know, got murdered. Pedro Castillo, last week. Pedro Castillo was the president of Peru last week. He was trying to make a better world. He got elected because he said he was going to convene a constitutional convention. He tried to do it. The legislature stopped him. He tried to overcome the legislature. They arrested him and had him put in jail. So if you're going to try to make a better world, be sure you don't do it before you get some kind of control over the armed forces. But suppose you already had some kind of control over the armed forces. What would you do to make a better world? That's what my novels are about. My novels take a character who is a minor person in the revolutionary organization. His name is Leo. And Leo gets a few minor assignments about things that need fixing. One of them, at the very beginning, has to do with fossil fuels. He's sent out to a small town where someone wants to break the rule against use of fossil fuels. Because one of the first things that this revolutionary situation demands is that they stop burning fossil fuels before the planet goes extinct. So someone wants to burn fossil fuels and Leo has to deal with that on a very, very small scale. On the next novel, Leo has to deal with a larger problem, and that has to do with antisocial behavior by drug addicts. The leaders of the revolutionary organizations believe that you really just can't do much with drug addicts. Their antisocial behavior just can't be overcome because since they're addicts, they put getting drugs at a higher priority than anything else. So you can't really integrate them into a society of people that's helping other people. So they decide that they're going to try just putting them on a reservation somewhere. And Leo gets the assignment of running that reservation. Now on none of these assignments does Leo do a great job. He does an adequate job. The reason I wrote the novels was because I wanted people to know That even if you had a new revolutionary situation, even if you had the ability to create a great new world, you would still have all the problems in the world. V.I. Lenin is supposed to have said, after the revolution in 1917, in which his party took charge of the Russian government, V.I. Lenin is supposed to have said, now the real work begins. And if you think about it, you'll realize that that's true. Now, people have been ducking this question ever since the idea of revolution came about. They never answer the question. You can talk to the most dedicated revolutionaries in the world and say, what do you want to happen after the revolution? And they will not have an answer. They usually will say something like, well, we'll have to leave that up to those people at that time so that they can solve these problems democratically. But they don't answer it. Gene Roddenberry didn't answer it. He just kind of implied that the better world came about because the Vulcans came and taught us the error of our ways and we became good people because the Vulcans landed on Earth. Well, that's just fine, but the truth is, there would be a lot of issues to work out. In the third novel, Leo gets elected to the World Congress. The World Congress is going to try to write a world constitution. And they have to deal with a lot of problems. How are they going to have a world economy, for example? What's the world currency going to be? How are they going to exchange? How are they going to work their economy? Uh, Obviously, they're not going to have different currencies the way we do now. They'll have one. And I'll give you a little peek into what my novel says. It says that the currency becomes kilowatt hours of electricity. In other words, energy is the energy credits are the currency of the world. And everybody uses energy credits for whatever transactions that they have to do. There are a lot of other problems that would have to be solved. The one that Leo runs head on into, he gets elected to be the head of a committee on religion and superstition because every organization, every revolutionary group, every revolution that ever happened never solved that problem. They all left it hanging and they all were We're worse off for it in my opinion. So Leo's issue may not be the most important issue. It's not a center of the economic world, for example. It's not a question of how people are going to be fed or how people are going to work or what kind of relations are going to prevail. But it's a colorful question. It's one that a lot of people have opinions on. The question comes down to this. What is the social value of religion? As you know, religion has a cost. A lot of people give 10% of their income to the church. The church asks them to give 10%. The Bible says they must give 10% of their income. So that's 10% that's taken out of the economy if they give the 10%. I'm I'm not saying a lot of people do, but when they do, they're taking 10% out of the economy. So we know that there's a cost of religion, we just don't know what the value of religion is. And so this is what they argue back and forth, because the new government, the new world government, has to take a position on the separation of church and state. Now, Leo doesn't claim to be an intellectual. He doesn't really have a stand on church and state. He's never even thought about it. But his political party, the one he supports, is taking the stand that the wall between the church and state must be total and complete. This was a stand that a lot of the revolutionaries in the American Revolution took, but they gave in around the edges And it turned out that the churches would get free access to the media. They would be able to hold all kinds of property without paying any taxes on it. They would get a lot of access to the government. They'd be able to say this or that about how how things are done. So the wall between the church and state was not very strong. There were a lot of oozes and seeping places in the wall between the separation of church and state. Leo's position, because it's the position of his political party, is that that wall should be complete. There should be no way to break through the wall between church and state. No subsidies for religion, in other words. So they're going to argue about that in novel number four, which is underway. And what are the social values of religion? That's what's kind of got me stumped right now. And I'm starting to write a few things down. I think if you ask the preachers, if you ask the people that are in favor of the church getting some uh, special treatment from the state, they would say that the church helps maintain the family and that it's an argument for peace on earth. And that the way it's a way to avoid, to avoid insurrection, in other words, to keep the people more or less in line with the state, they would say that that's a good thing. They would say that the value of religion has to do with art. They'd say that the pyramids were made because of religion. They would say that the Sistine Chapel was painted because of religion. They'd say that Michelangelo's Statue David, just one of the most beautiful statues ever created, came about because of religion. They would say that religion provides inner peace and tranquility. And they would argue, an evolutionary argument, that no society has ever survived without religion. So those are some of the things I've come up with, and I'm trying to think of some more. People on the other side, on Leo's side, are going to be arguing against those those arguments on the social value of religion and saying that it isn't worth what it costs. I hope uh, you read my novels. They're posted on my website, lilyscola.us. liliscola is spelled L-I-L-L-E. S-K-O-L-E it's Danish for little school L-I-L-L-E S-K-O-L-E dot U-S and all I do is write them and post them I don't try to get them published they probably wouldn't be publishable anyway that's my take on Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek and how we're going to get there This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra.